Uh, it is great to be with you this evening. I'm Jack, and I work at Tear Fund. If you don't know Tear Fund, basically we are Christians who are passionate about seeing an end to extreme poverty, um, and we work with local churches all around the world in over 50 different countries to help them be the answer to this crisis that we're seeing of people living in poverty, not having enough to eat or drink or access to education. And so that's what we're about. And this evening, I want us to think a little bit about the climate crisis and about plastic pollution. But really, my prayer for us is that we leave here knowing that God loves us so much and that we leave inspired to worship him with everything we've got. So that's where we're going. Um, but before that, I want to show you the picture that's just disappeared from the screen. Um, so this is um, me on holiday um, in the Cairngorms in Scotland. So over, the, over this year, uh, Caitlin, my girlfriend, and I have been walking um, mountains all over the UK up to the height of Everest. So we've been adding them up as we go, and they've all added up to Everest. And we finished a few weeks ago. So this was in the Cairngorms. And I have loved this year because we've got to see so many different places. Um, and as we've done that, I've been amazed at how diverse the island that we live on is and how beautiful uh, God's creation is. Every time we get to the top of a mountain and we finally sit down, find the sandwiches and the flask of tea, we look over the view and just take in the like, amazing expanse in front of us. There's something amazing when you've walked through a storm or hot sun, and you just sit there and you're like, this is amazing. God's creation is so good and so big. I am exhausted, but God spoke these mountains into existence effortlessly. That's even harder to say than climbing a mountain. Um, and it's just amazing to contemplate how good God is as we've been walking these mountains. And maybe you're similar. When you see something in the world around you, it just prompts you to think, wow, this world is beautiful and God is so good. Maybe it's a flower that's broken through the tarmac on your way to the bus and you just notice it for a change rather than walking past and you go, that is unnecessarily beautiful. Look at it. Look at the intricacy of it next time you see one. Or maybe it's like seeing the birds dance around the trees in the morning um, or seeing a sunset. I think a sunset is one of the most beautiful and pointless things God has ever created. Like, it doesn't need to be that good. But every day, God shows off with this beautiful sunset, unless it's cloudy, of course. Um, and you get to enjoy the beauty of God's world. And this is a theme we see all the way through the Bible, from the beginning to the end, the beauty of God's creation, his love for it, and the ways that we can learn about God through the world around us. So in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, right at the beginning, we see this beautiful depiction of a God who knows and loves his creation, who cares about every detail and speaks it into existence and celebrates it every day, saying, isn't this so good? And at the end of the week being like, this is so good. I love this. So you see that in Genesis. And then when you move into the Psalms, this songbook kind of in the middle of the Bible, um, you see the, the people who write the Psalms celebrating creation in the same way of saying, this is beautiful and I worship God as a result. I could go on all day. This is in every book of the Bible. I'm just picking some of my favorites. Um, in the Gospels, in the stories of Jesus' life, in the second half of the Bible, we see Jesus showing that he knows and loves creation too. Think about it. He tells stories all the time based off of what he knows about creation. He tells his followers about the relentlessness of weeds and uses that to tell them about God. He talks about the character of birds and how God loves them. 
He talks about the power of a mustard seed and how it turns into this amazing tree. All the way through these stories of Jesus' life, we see that Jesus knew creation intimately and he used it to point us to his Father and point us towards how much God loves each and every one of us. And God doesn't just know creation, he delights in it. He enjoys it. Now, give me a wave if you've read the book of Job from start to finish, some of us. So it's a book that is in the first half of the Bible, and it's about this man who has really bad luck. So he has this like, wonderful life, and then all of a sudden, everything goes wrong. He loses his family, his home, his wealth, and he's in like, the pits, totally. And to make it worse, you have about 37 chapters of his friends telling him, it must be your fault. You must have done something wrong, and now God is punishing you for what you've done. And they argue about this for ages. And Job says, I've not done anything wrong. And at the beginning of the book, you read that uh, Job is a righteous man. He's blameless, and he has followed God with all he's got. And so they're arguing for chapters and chapters. Like, this must have all gone wrong for a reason. It's probably your fault, Job. And then after chapters and chapters of this arguing, you eventually get to chapter 38. And in chapter 38, God finally speaks. And these final chapters of Job are actually the longest speech that God gives to an individual in the whole of Scripture. God speaks to Job directly for chapters and chapters, and it's his longest speech. And God uses these chapters to lift Job's eyes, to see that he is part of a much bigger story, something that is way more exciting and extravagant than he ever realized. And as he does that, there is this peace and restoration that comes over Job. His anxiety and the fear of everything that has gone wrong is lifted away by fixing his eyes on God's bigger story. So let me read you some of my favorite verses. I'd love to read you all of um, these chapters, but this is just a bit from uh, what God says about birds. So it says, does the hawk take flight by your wisdom and spread its wings towards the south? Does the eagle soar at your command and build its nests on high? It dwells on a cliff and stays there at night. A rocky crag is its stronghold. The ostrich's wings flap joyfully. She lays her eggs on the ground and lets them warm in the sand. When she spreads her feathers to run, she laughs at horse and rider. I love these verses, um, and I can imagine God beaming with delight as he tours Job around his creation. He points out, did you see that this animal nests in this hidden bit of the mountains? And did you see that this one finds its water in this way? And did you see the ostrich run in its ridiculous way? And you can imagine God beaming and enjoying the world that he's touring Job around, showing him the animals and the plants that he delights in, and lifting Job's eyes to see that he is part of this amazing world that he lives in. All of these passages, Genesis right at the beginning, the Psalms, Job, Jesus' parables and stories, and so much more, show me how much God deeply loves his creation, how much he delights in it and he enjoys it. He finds pleasure in the goodness of everything he's made. Creation is this wonderful gift, and we have the absolute privilege and honor of him asking us to take care of it. What an incredible honor that God would delight in something so much and then trust us with it. So good. But of course, we know this isn't the whole picture and we have to have the bad news eventually. 
in my work at Tear Fund, I am often reminded how broken the world we live in is and the impact that that is having on the world's poorest people. Someone recently described it to me as creation has been knocked out of balance and things aren't as they should be. That God has designed this world in a perfect way and it has been knocked out of balance by the way that we have used and abused it. Perhaps um, if you've ever done the gardening or you've heard your grandparents talking about the gardening, they'll notice that the flowers are blooming earlier and earlier each year or just the garden behaves in a weird way. Or maybe you've noticed that snow comes at random times or we get heat waves at random moments. Or if you watch the weather on TV, you will be used to hearing the weather forecasters say, this is a record. This is a new record. That word is now our new normal. Of course, it will be a record hot summer. It always is. Last month was the coldest October on record. We've had the wettest August on record. And the, this new word, record, has become our new normal as we notice that creation has been knocked out of balance. I did some research before coming here this evening um, and found the temperatures in Cheltenham over the last while, I can't do the maths, since 1850 um, until now. And so this is them on a chart. So you can see there's a natural wiggle, the correct scientific term, um, of hot years and cold years going up and down over time. And you can see that it starts to gradually rise um, in the 1900s. And then when we reach the 80s, it suddenly shoots upward. And then you start to see the new wiggle forming as it continues to climb upward. And this is not prediction. This is not some forecast based on a model. This is just Met Office data and other ancient weather records recording what the temperature is like here and how it has changed in really recent years. But of course, we're seeing the impacts of this way more clearly around the world, aren't we? We've had huge wildfires in Australia coming after the first day on record, my favorite word, on record, um, where Australia had no rain on any of the mainland. Never happened before, and now we have wildfires bigger than Scotland in Australia. And it's a problem that's hitting the poorest the hardest already. If we can have the next picture... This is us on our last walk um, for the Everest Challenge. So we're in um, some nice countryside with friends and family. Um, and on the left um, is a chap called Manuel. Now, he is from Burkina Faso, and he works for Tear Fund um, in covering West Africa and helping them with their humanitarian response. When there's a disaster, um, he helps to work out what we do in response at Tear Fund. And he was over in the UK for some training, and he came on the walk with us. And as we were walking, he was telling me that uh, where he grew up, they grew lots of food and they reared goats. Um, but since he's left, the land has become barren, water is short, and the food just isn't growing like it used to be. People are farming just as well as they've always farmed, but the weather has changed. The rains aren't coming when they should, and it's creating a crisis. He says in his work at Tear Fund in West Africa, he's seeing more and more conflict pop up, and more and more of that conflict is caused by a lack of access to fertile land and access to clean water. As the land suffers from a changing climate and the waters uh, disappear as the temperature rises. And he says it is so important that the church in the UK speaks up and sees change happen because for him and his family, the world is changing rapidly. Uh, there's another picture, hopefully, of a woman called Diane with her children. And Diane lives in Brazil, and she was talking not about climate change, but about plastic pollution. 
And she was saying that when it rains, um, the waters in the river obviously rise, and she sees loads of plastic pulled down the river that then floods into the poorest people's homes who live by the river. And so you see all of this waste piling up, or if it doesn't get lifted and pile up, it blocks the river and you get um, diseases breeding and um, flooding in other areas. And she was saying that this plastic is uh, having a huge impact. If we have the next slide for her quote. She talks about when it floods, everyone gets diarrhea and sickness. Just this week, I had to help my daughter who was vomiting. She was talking about how she sees all of this plastic pollution rushing down the river, and it's causing sickness and disease for so many people. There are two billion people without any waste management in the world. So they have no choice but to throw it on the roadside, set fire to it and breathe in the toxic fumes, um, or throw it in a waterway where it might block it, or it might flood people like Diane's home, or it might end up in the oceans having a big impact there. We've done some research at Tear Fund, and we found out that every 30 seconds, another person dies from the impact of waste, from diseases caused by all of our rubbish. We've pushed creation to breaking point, and it's having a huge impact on the world's poorest people. And this breaks my heart. It's uncomfortable for us to listen to, and I can't even begin to imagine how much this breaks God's heart. Someone who delights in this beautiful world. Someone who loves people like Manuel and his community more than I can ever fathom. And he's seeing the way that we've knocked creation out of balance. The way that we've damaged what he's entrusted with us. But this isn't the end of the story. Praise God that we have a good God who comes to us as a baby. In Jesus, we don't find a God who offers us an evacuation plan like, oh no, it's gone wrong, I'll give you an evacuation to a heaven in a cloud somewhere. But instead, we see a God who says, I am for you and I am with you. I am going to be born into the mess of your world. I'm going to live amongst you and I'm going to die and rise again to set you free from all the brokenness of sin and sadness and sickness and everything else. In Jesus, we see a God who gives us hope of a better, restored, renewed world. We know Jesus is coming to make all things new. In the next slide, we have a verse from Colossians. It says, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. When I read this verse, I feel like I'm going through an experience like Job did, of God lifting my eyes. I know that Jesus loves me as an individual. I know he's died for me and he sets me free from my sin. But when I read that verse, I see that God is lifting my eyes to something much bigger going on, that through Jesus' death and resurrection, he gives us hope for everything that sin has broken. He is making all things new and everything on heaven, in heaven and on earth is being made new and restored. And we will see that in all its glory when Jesus comes back again. As I learn about this man called Jesus, I see a man who is committed to justice a man who is committed to healing, and a man who is committed to restoring everything sin has broken. And it fills me with hope. This man who is God is making all things new, and we can join in with what he is doing. But what does that look like in the face of the climate crisis, in the face of plastic pollution, these huge challenges that can leave us feeling quite hopeless? I think Paul helps us. Paul writes lots of the letters in the New Testament in the second half of the Bible. And when he writes to the church in Rome, um, in chapter 12, he writes, 
Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. As I read these verses, I think, what would it look like if Paul was writing this today, when he calls the church to not conform to the patterns of this world? What would that look like today? And I think some of them, maybe not all of them, but some of them would be a pattern of disbelief. That when we hear a terminal diagnosis from a doctor, we just accept that that's it. But of course, because we know the God of healing and restoration, we don't conform to that disbelief. Instead, we pray and we expect to see miracles happen. We know a God of healing, and so we pray for it and see it. Or maybe it's a pattern of entitlement that says, I deserve a cheap top, even if someone made in the image of God over the other side of the world is forced into slavery to make it. We know that person has inherent value and worth. We know God loves them. And so we simply cannot conform to that pattern that abuses some of God's people. Or maybe it's a pattern of overconsumption that just says, I want more and more to throw away and do what I want um, because this world doesn't matter that much. We just happen to be here for a moment. But of course, we know a God who delights in this place. And we, so we choose not to conform to the patterns of this world that wreak havoc in creation. And instead, we choose a much better way. We choose to worship God with every decision and action that we make. In the previous verse, in Romans 12:1, it says, there it is. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. In the message version of the Bible, it says, take your everyday, ordinary life, your eating, sleeping, walking around and going to work life, and place it before God as an offering. That this is what it looks like to worship the God of justice, hope, and healing. That as we make decisions during our day, we can turn them into practical actions of worship that we can choose not to conform to those patterns that wreak havoc in creation, but instead live a different way which honors God, celebrates what he's given us, and models something better to the world around us. So this maybe feels a bit abstract. So for me, this has been a journey for many years looking, at, looking like lots of different things. Sometimes it looks like cycling in the rain because I feel like God doesn't want me to emit more calm dioxide. And I'm like, I'm just going to make this decision and just going to do it. And offering it to God being like, this is small and this is maybe silly, but I want to do it because I love you and the world you've made. Or it looks like starting to eat more vegan food, even though I love a sausage sandwich where the fat soaks into the bread and you've got the ketchup and it's so good but choosing to change the way I eat because I know God loves and cares about this creation and the way that we mass produce so much of our stuff is not okay and so choosing not to conform to those patterns but going in a different direction or over the past few years it's been around plastic and thinking what does it look like to reduce it down and so I've been um, cutting back in lots of different ways. Um, and we've got to the point now where um, this is my rubbish for 2019, my non-recyclable rubbish, of just saying, God, I want to totally live in a different direction. I don't want to just go through um, accepting what is normal and just assuming that is okay. But instead, God, I want to offer you everything, every silly decision about what kind of food I buy or where I shop. God, I want to give you everything because you are glorious and worthy of it all. I want to offer my whole life in worship to you. 
I met two guys in Haiti a couple of years ago um, who really inspired me. These are them, James and Obed. And they are uh, passionate about seeing people freed from poverty, uh, but also about caring for God's creation. And so they realize that there are lots of young boys who end up as child soldiers in Haiti, in violent gangs with machine guns. And so they wanted to do something to help them, to find a, a way of safe employment. And so they also realized there was loads of plastic in Haiti littering the roads. And so they employed some of the boys to start collecting it. And then they washed it, cut it, and pressed it into a long fabric um, of plastic. And then if we have the picture back up, the, they then employed other guys to sew that plastic together, and it became these bags. So the front of the bags, is you can see all the logos from these plastic sachets that are sold in Haiti. And they've turned it into these rucksacks that are then used for school kids um, to go to school. And it's an amazing example of them saying, we're not just going to accept this, but we're going to model something way better to the world around us, that God loves these people and this stuff. I've been really inspired by the school strikes that have started in the past year. Right at the heart of the UK school strikes, the ones happening here, um, I met a guy called Joe who is a passionate Christian. And he says he's doing it because he wants to worship God with everything he's got. He thinks that this crisis is too important to ignore or wait for it to happen. But instead, we need to be speaking up and making a change. And so he's right at the core of the, starting these school strikes. I am so inspired by what he's done to build that movement in the UK. If any of you are part of it, um, then I applaud you and celebrate you. And if you're not, chat to your parents. What would it look like to be part of this growing movement of Christians and others speaking up to care for God's creation? Now, I've covered a lot of ground. We've gone from God's good creation, the way he enjoys it, thinking about the ways that we've damaged that creation through climate change, plastic pollution, and loads of other ways, and thinking about what it would look like to respond with everything that we've got, to worship God with every decision and action that we make. So I want to invite you now to spend some time in prayer um, and thinking about three different ways you might respond. So if we have the next slide... Uh, cheesily called it Stand in the Gap, because it's G-A-M-P. I thought it would help me remember it more than you. Um, so the first one is thinking about whether you can support Tear Fund in any way. So Manuel really inspired me. He works tirelessly to help communities who are facing uh, disasters caused by climate change, who are running out of clean water, and working out what it looks like for the church to respond to those kind of disasters. And he's there supporting local churches to be the answers to some of those problems. And obviously, that work can't happen without the amazing generosity of thousands of people around the UK. And so if you can spare a few pounds to support creative projects like James and Obed or the amazing work of Manuel, then I would love for you to do that. And we can chat to you at the end about how much you could commit to each month. But the first one to think about is, can you support the church around the world to respond to some of these problems? The second one is thinking about how we act. How can we choose to live out actions of worship, through the way that we live, our lifestyle, but also in speaking up, in campaigning and in protest and in voting with the poor in mind. What does it look like to take action to care for God's creation? Hopefully on the way in, you got a little black card that says this is a rubbish petition or this is a rubbish campaign card. Um, yep, just like this one here. Um, this is a petition that we've been running this year, calling on Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Nestle and Unilever to massively reduce how much plastic they sell in poorer countries, to places where Diane lives and others. 
and saying, you need to invest in recycling, you need to take responsibility for all the rubbish that you're creating, and you need to do it quick because we care about these people so much. And I would love for you to sign that petition. There's a box just to add your name and your address. If you want to hear more, you can add your email and tick boxes. If you want to sign the petition and not hear more, just leave off your email. Um, but we would love for you to speak up with us and call on these companies to take action. In the last few weeks, we've had meetings with Unilever and with others, and they're beginning to make some of the commitments that we're asking, realizing that this is a huge problem and that we need to do something about it. Some of the companies are a bit more resistant to engage, and we would love for you to add your voice, because every time the numbers grow, we tell them there is more and more of the global church speaking up together. In Malawi, people are protesting about this. In Zambia, they're meeting with some of the companies. In India, they're writing letters. And we're joining with the global church saying enough is enough and a better world is possible because we know God loves this place and we're going to take care of it. So I'd love for you to sign that petition um, in a moment. We've got a box of pens if you haven't got one. And finally, I want to invite you to pray. This stuff is heavy and it is easy to ignore, to just pretend someone else is going to deal with it. I'd love to invite you to pray regularly, asking God, would you soften my heart for the people that you love? Would you help me to experience some of the pain that you experience in this? And would you change me and change this world as I just sit with you and contemplate the scale of some of these problems? So I've talked a lot. I'm going to give you a moment now to think about how you might respond. Spend some time with God, thinking, can I use my voice? How can I live differently? What's it look like to support the global church? God, would you change us and would you restore and renew everything you love? I also forgot to say, sorry, just as you start praying. If you sign the petition, there is a shopping basket by the door on the way out. So once you signed it, hold on to it and drop it in the shopping basket on the way out. That's a bit I forgot.
So if God is speaking to you about something that is amazing, if um, there's two things that come to mind that God might be doing, and if he is, we'd love to invite you to press in a bit more, to pray a bit more about that. So for some of you, this might be the first time you've heard about the mission of God and what God is doing to restore and renew the world of this amazing story of the local church, of his hands and feet in this world. And there's something about you that just says, I want to join in with this. I want to be part of this story of hope in a world that feels so broken. If that is you, if there's something about you that, ah, oh, this is exciting, I want to be part of this. And I would love to invite you to not ignore that, but instead to lean into it, to be like, this feels weird, but God, if you're there, I would love to join in. Um, so if that is you, I would love for you to just press into that, to say, okay, God, we're going to try this. Um, for those of you who feel just heavy about this stuff, that you've not really engaged with this, um, and it just feels a bit heavy, to invite you to um, pray and ask God for forgiveness, because he um, is just so good to us. His grace is boundless. And if you just feel like, oh God, I've not engaged with this before, and I feel like this matters, that you, would you just spend some time asking God to, to set you free of that burden, that this is a delight to follow him, um, and so I want to invite you to pray uh, about that too. And if God is speaking to you about something else, or if you're thinking practically about how you're going to change the way you live, then go for that too. But they were two that we wanted to call out. So guys, I, I wonder if we might all stand uh, together. And uh, the band are, are going to come up. And if those, those two things, and you might need to repeat them uh, in just a second, if those two things have really stirred you, why don't you just put up a hand and we're going to invite the people kind of around you just to maybe lay a hand on you and just, just kind of pray for you. Do you want to just tell us those two yeah, things just to help so. clarify it for us? So the first was you feel like you're, um, you're excited by this mission of what God is doing and you want to join in for the first time. Mm-hmm. That was the first one. And the second was you feel heavy about these topics and this stuff um, and inviting God to set you free of that burden and that you'd be able to engage with this in a way that's joyful and worshipful. Brilliant. Okay, so guys, let's, um, let's just take a moment. We're going to invite the presence of God just to maybe put his finger on one of those things if, if that's where, where you're at. So, Father, we, um, we're just so grateful to have heard uh, your word this evening. And uh, Lord, I guess we're, we're standing here and we're saying, how is it you want us to respond? What are you doing in us? And uh, that being part of something bigger. We can't just hear these things, Lord, uh, and not take some kind of action. So Lord, please guide us uh, in that right now.